Welcome back to another edition of Millennial Mennonite Podcast. I'm Clark. And I'm Ron. And I'm Dwayne. And this is episode number eight. So guys, attending church up here in West Virginia has been kind of interesting. I actually technically attend church in Virginia just across the line. But I notice here that as I'm getting used to our services that our service is a little different than service back in Georgia was. Mm-hmm. And I thought that it'd be fun to talk a little bit today about church format and like how church format should be or what's the value in specific church format. So what is it? I mean, maybe I should start by saying what are, I mean, what me and Dwayne's, I mean, it, it's, I mean, it's always been that way. What One exception is we, we have changed up a little bit, but for the most part, it has been, Two songs, devotions, led by the superintendent of the Sunday school. Then Sunday school. Then the kids get up and say the verse. Then back to a song, announcements. And then we have done, we have started doing like uh, some prayer requests. We didn't originally do yeah, that. Right before the, right mm. before the sermon, yeah. Help me bring clarity to this. Y'all have Sunday school first, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's two songs, then the... Then the and then... And then you have service yeah, with the preaching, Yeah, then we, then right? we service, yep. Now, Dwayne, didn't your church, the church that you used to go to, didn't they switch that around? Yeah, that the church I went to in Salisbury, Maryland, we had the sermon first, and then you had Sunday school after that. Did they ever that's, say why they did that? They never, no. Of course, I was that's, I was younger at that <laughs> point, so I didn't really care too much. But um, Well, I, I teach at Heritage Bible School, and when they have church there, that's how they do it. They have the preaching first. Mm-hmm. And then they have Sunday school. And if I was a Sunday school teacher, that would make me miserable. Um, yeah, because, but maybe if you were a preacher, it would make your day. <laughs> yeah, that may be true. I don't know. Because I don't, I don't know. you, well, I look at it from the children perspective and you're going to have the easiest time with the children in the first hour, which I mean, I guess we don't know because we have Sunday school first and we send our kids away for the first hour and then they sit in with the second hour, if they had Sunday school second, maybe it would be like a time of, okay, well, I know the Sunday school is coming up, but yeah, I don't know. Because if you have the sermon first and it's a very moving sermon, then you might have trouble during, I'm just thinking of the adult Sunday school of what's your interaction going to be after, you know, a really moving sermon. Mm -hmm. But I do think that, the format, like the format here is a little bit different and it's taken some getting used to it. It's, um, it's kind of fascinating because here we have, so it's, it's a lot like y'all. We have two songs, right, to begin with, which generally turns into three songs. So it's normally three songs to begin with. It can be two. And then a superintendent gets up and then we have Sunday school. And then after Sunday school, there's no break. Like, at there in Georgia, we had a little break, you know, where you had like a five minute break. Mm-hmm. There's yeah, no break. Every, break. Everyone stays in. And then the superintendent gets back up and you do like Bible memory selection. And then the superintendent makes all the announcements and then collects the offering. And then after the superintendent's done, then someone else gets up and has what they call prayer and praise time. And so prayer and praise time is then a time where you can do prayer requests and praise. And it's 
it's a little different than you know, y'all said you may take a couple of requests with well, this. There's, it's a little more like a prayer meeting. You know, you actually take an extensive list of, of, of prayer requests and stuff. And so then with all that, normally the preacher starts preaching at about 20 after uh, 11 and sometimes as late as half past 11. So it cuts your preaching time down to like 30 to 40 minutes at the most. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I always, I was always like a little bit like, why are you taking up the preacher's time? A little bit like let the man get to it. You know, he's he spent time preparing his sermon and you're taking up his time, which maybe is the wrong way to feel about it. I mean, it is important to have those those prayer and praise times too. maybe more on a Wednesday night was my feeling and maybe not every Sunday morning. I understand what what Clark is saying, um, but I would like to add to that that a person can only endure so, yes. so much. I mean, they can only sit there for so long. So I, I don't see any problem with the preacher trying to cut short what they have to say a little bit, too. Yeah. And honestly, the more that I've kind of have gotten. So at first I was a little like you, Clark, because I think part of it, too, is what you're used to. You know, yeah, so you come is. from something that you're used to. And, and then it's like this is different than what I'm used to. Right. But honestly, now it's growing on me. Like okay. I kind of like having that prayer and praise time. And, and then the preachers are are always respectful then of, of the amount of time that they have. And so your sermons then are like 30 to 40 minutes, which I'm not I'm not saying that we should have tiny short sermons. But I think for you guys, a lot of times the preacher is up and started by like maybe 10 after well, which means that after you can usually. have you can have a sermon that's, you know, close to an hour long. So in your prayer and praise time, what kind of what kind of participation do you get? So it's very active participation in prayer requests. So mm-hmm. like it's it's requests are given and we'll often have somewhere in the neighborhood of 10 to 15 different prayer requests. So it's a pretty extensive list, right? Mm-hmm. Every bit as big as, as we, in Georgia as we would have on a Wednesday evening, right? And, and then it's also kind of a time of update, like people will update on current situations of what's going on. And so it's a time for everybody to kind of catch up on, on people's lives and what's happening. And then at that point, whoever's in charge of it, has everyone stand up, and so we all stand, and then anyone that, that wants to can lead in prayer. And so it'll often just be, normally, it's it's just a few of the men. Um, and, and I don't know I don't know if there's ever been any women that have done it or not. I know they would be welcome to if they wanted to, but I, often it's just maybe two or three of the men, and then the person that's in charge will close. How important is it to have an informal greeting or somebody that greets people? I mean, because when we get to church, we go straight in, and we sit down and just... You know, in the past, there has been some importance put to some reverency or maybe even some congregations sing a couple of just like one liner songs leading into the service. But how important is is like informal because our church has been notorious for running five minutes, you know, late starting. Right. Just because there's so many people in the back talking. Yeah. You know, I've got I've gotten up to lead songs and, and I started singing solo just to get everybody to sit down, which might have been. <laughs> I mean, that might have been a little bit like, come on, just give them a little time to sit down. You don't, you don't have to get up and start leading songs. <laughs> so I, I have, I have mixed feelings about that. First of all, I kind, I like how we're laid back and we all talk before our services, and and you know, I'm okay with that within our group. Yeah. But look at it from the view of a visitor coming in. How mm-hmm. uncomfortable are you going to feel if you walk into the church and there's this huge group of people? standing in a circle in the entry talking and you walk into that. 
Well, it depends on if you're Ron or if you're me. I'm going to want an empty <laughs> an empty foyer where I can just kind of sneak through and just find my place in the back calmly and silently. No conversations <laughs> leading into it. I think most visitors are going to feel like you, though, and not yeah. Ron. Yeah. That's yeah. my personal opinion. Yeah, that's probably so, true. So that yeah. being said, I like the idea of having a greeter at yeah. the back. Somebody yeah. that greets people as they come in. Yeah. Single person. Well, and often, I think often in you know, the other churches in your conference, so you guys are part of the South Atlantic Conference, and I think often the other churches within that conference have ushers that doubled their duty as greeters. That's right. And then also in those churches, in all the other churches except Lighthouse, I think, and this may have changed because I haven't been to all of them recently, but I think pretty much all of them except Lighthouse, you get seated by the usher. So you don't just get to go to whatever seat you want. The usher takes you in and seats you where, you know, at Lighthouse – People just kind of always sit at the same place. And yeah. we don't have ushers up here either. So it's just kind of sit wherever Do you want. Do people usually sit at the same place? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it just, if if you're allowed to sit wherever you want, it honestly just makes sense to sit at the same place. Why would you change it up? Because, I mean, that way you just, especially with children, they remember where they're supposed to sit. And I'm not, say, I'm not, I'm not saying you shouldn't have ushers. But I'm saying that if you don't have active ushers that are ushering people in, then you should sit at the same place. <laughs> to that point, one one evening we got to church and one of our children went running in to sit down and they came walking back to us with a very embarrassed <laughs> look on their face. They had went and ran into our aisle to sit down, but somebody was sitting where we normally sit. <laughs> oh, it threw them off bad. They were super embarrassed. It was, it was actually really, it was funny. But, you know, I, I like Dwayne's idea of having a greeter. I had never thought about that. And Dwayne, you being a preacher, you get around to the other churches more than, than I do. I haven't been... Yeah, I grew up in South Carolina going to Barnwell, and I, I know we had it that way, but it's been so long. I mean, since 96, we moved over here, and I really you know, had forgotten how they did things. That that actually is a really good idea. Have somebody that's personable, mm -hmm. easy to talk to, yeah, right. you know, get a Ron right. and, and stick him back there yeah. and be like, <laughs> everybody just kind of files through, and then the rest of the people just sit, and, you know, if they want to, you know, small talk a little bit, it can get rowdy. And even in our breaks between, you know, we have the break between Sunday school and preaching. It can, those can tend to run a little bit long with people getting together and talking in the back, you know, mm -hmm. on something like that. So we were talking about, well, we kind of hinted at assigned seating, not really assigned seating, but people sitting in the same places. Assumed seating. Assumed seating. There you go. Not all churches have mixed seating. We do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, most, most churches in our conference do to a certain extent. But I find it interesting when I visit other churches, each church has their own way of doing things. But mm -hmm. I find it interesting that some of the other churches, like some of the people will sit to, together. Some of the families will sit together. Mm -hmm. Others will sit segregated. So sometimes it's kind of hard to know what you're supposed to do. Oh, because man. Am I supposed right. to be, you know, the one that sits Right at the back with my wife? Or do I need mm -hmm. to separate myself and sit, you know, <laughs> segregated? So... I don't know, Ron. I'm assuming your church has mixed seating too. Um, yeah, I I will say this: the church that I go to up here is is called Timberville Mennonite, and there, honestly, the church itself is a small church, and and it's it's an older church. But as far as people and kind of the setup, 
it's a very welcoming church. Like when you walk in, and the reason that I say this is because when you walk in, first of all, the people are friendly, but also it, there's a vast variety of types of people and ages of people. And so I feel like it truly is a very welcoming church to new mm-hmm. people coming in. And, and I love that. I really do love that about the church. But yeah, it's it's definitely sit sit with families and it's very casual in its style well, and, um, and comfortable. Imagine if you're a visiting couple coming into a segregated seating scenario, it could make it awkward. I mean, I would think you would know what to do pretty quick, but you might be a little surprised or shocked by this. It might, it might feel odd or make you kind of on tilt right away walking in the door. And, and you know, like your church, our church, I, I feel for the most part, it is pretty welcoming of just trying to make people feel welcome. Maybe maybe to a fault maybe we crowd around them too much i'm not sure but it definitely is something to think about when setting up you know if you were setting up your ideal church with your ideal church service and the ideal seating maybe you want to think about that i do think that that is something to think about and and i think too that it, it plays a little bit with this whole idea of whether whether our churches are for farming churches or whether our churches are for hunting churches you know <laughs> I mean, that's that's I'm using sales terms, but are the church that we're a part of or the church that we're active in? And there are different types. And, and I'm and I'm giving room for both types. But there are churches that want to grow from within. In other words, they want to maintain their membership and then have children that grow up to stay in the church. And they want to they want to be a farming church. And for a farming church, having some very set specific ways, like possibly segregated seating or any other of many traditional things that are done, works because it gives uniformity and, and people are used to that. I personally like to be part of a hunting church, and that means it's a church that's wanting to reach its community. It's a church that's wanting to bring people in from outside, you know, not just stay within. And for a hunting church, I think you have to be you do have to have a little bit of a different style there and you have to be very open to the differences of people that are coming in and, and allowing them to feel comfortable while yet maintaining your own principles. Yeah. I, I think I'm glad you went ahead and described what farming and hunting were because I, I had never heard that used before. And I was like, Ooh, we're going to talk about milking cows <laughs> or shooting deer. <laughs> but the hunting church, just to defend the farming church, the hunting church has to be careful because how much do you open up that? How much do you crack that? We're willing to be different door open. You know, right. you have to be careful with how far you're willing to go because, you know, we all have seen the church that, you know, has thrown everything out. And that then where did it go? Yep. And and to that, I think I'm just going to pause there because I really think that I'd like to switch gears in the main segment and talk a little bit about the idea of of farming churches or hunting churches or, or churches growing internally versus externally and how that looks. So maybe we'll shift after the break on that. But right now, let's go to break. All right, welcome back. So now we can get down to the, the real nitty gritty. I was talking to someone at our church just the other day because the church that we go to up here is in a town. It's right in the middle of a town. Now it's not a huge town, but it's got a decent amount of people. And I was saying, how, what's the best way for us to be able to like 
reach out to people in the community. I think that this church has done a pretty decent. Uh, no, I think this church has done a really good job of reaching out to its local community. Nice. They haven't gotten always maybe a great response from it, but they've done a really good job of reaching out. And so I wanted to talk a little bit about this whole the picture of before the break we referred to it as a hunting church, but. Maybe we could say an, an evangelical church or an outreach church or something like that if we don't want to use the term hunting. What should that look like? I mean, what what do y'all do there at your church to try to, to connect with the community? Well, our church was started as an—I mean, you, you used a, a number of different names, but our, our church was started as an outreach church of the conference. We started with one family was here, and that's kind of why the church was started here. And then we moved in and a couple other families moved in and it was started as an outreach church for our conference. And it was just a relocate to South of Atlanta and start a church and affect the community. And I think we have successfully affected the community as far as they know us in the community. They respect us. They say that, you know, we've heard that Mennonites are the best thing that ever happened to Jasper County. I don't really know what that means. I mean, I, I really don't, you know, because as far as membership from the community, we don't have a lot. You know, we, we've had people come through, but attending right now from the community, I mean, well, they have joined, but is a single family. It might go back to what is our witness and how do we witness, you know, is it reaching other people through what, through our daily life? And, and then, you know, are we bringing them in or are we just saying, this is who we are, this is where we are at, and this is how we are making a difference in our community? Yeah, I, and I was part of the church, obviously, there in Georgia when, when that process started. And so I remember through the years impacting a lot of different people. And I guess as I think about the way that we would reach out to the community there, we have businesses that are in the community. So there's some of that. And that probably goes with almost every single Mennonite community, right? You've got yes. businesses in the community, and, and that could be either a good or a bad impact. I think it's been a good impact there, but I think there have been some Mennonite communities that that's left a bad taste or a oh, bad yeah. witness. Right? Yeah, for sure. So we also would do, you know, occasionally we'll have singing groups that have come through. And, and I think even now there are people that say, hey, let us know when the singing groups come through because they want to hear that singing, right? You know, just good acapella four-part choruses or whatever. We've also done down there, you still do nursing home singing, right? You still mm -hmm. go to the yeah. nursing home yeah, once a do. month. So there's that. Um, and, and I know that at least when I was there, they, they loved that. They would always say, hey, when are y'all coming back again? I'm sure that hasn't changed any. How about passing out tracks? Because we do not actively do that here besides the fact that, you know, if somebody asks for a track or something, we do not actively pass out tracks. But I was thinking about that the other day. The when when we were in Barnwell and part of the youth group there, now that that's been 20 years ago, but does it make a difference? Has anybody that ever got a track handed to them as we went around the city just knocking on doors, handing a track. Has anybody ever responded to that? Or is that more toward the the Mormon, you know, philosophy of or the Jehovah's Witness philosophy of let's just canvas the area and see if anything hits? Oh, sure they have. Sure they've responded to it. I mean, I don't know that any have come to church, but it's really about planting seeds, right? You know, I mean, in the parable of the sower, it talks about all those seeds that were thrown out and the farmer threw all the seeds, right? He threw them all. That doesn't mean that all of them took. So honestly, we don't pass out tracks up here either. 
And I know that's something that was done down there. And I'm not saying that that's the thing that everybody should do, but I do think it's a really good thing to do because it is, it's seeds being tossed out. The bottom line is, is that only God can really do anything with those seeds. But frankly, anything that we do, only God can grow it anyway. And so it is a little, it is a little bit like, hey, here's this thing and then we're moving on. I do think though that it's a great thing for youth to do. And I want to be cautious that I don't, that I don't insult youth because I don't mean this as an insult, but a lot of youth don't find it specifically easy to witness, like to talk a lot about God's word and really get an in-depth spiritual conversations. Just they don't find a lot of comfort there. Handing out a track and moving on is an opportunity for them to witness and to give some information, but to not have to engage in those deep conversations. I remember passing out tracks when I was young. We did it at the church that I came to. And that was a terrifying experience for me. I, oh, yeah. I, I hated every so fiber bad. of it. Um, so bad. I was ter- terrified because usually you go into neighborhoods that aren't, mm-hmm. you know, real, real good. Oh, they're shady. Yeah. And so I have bad memories of it. But mm-hmm. yes. to Ron's point, I think it, it does have its place. I don't think it's as effective as, you know, actually talking to people and, and witnessing that way. But there is a chance that... It could, you know, somebody could pick it up and read it. I guess I, I think about if that, something's left on my windshield, mm-hmm. rarely do I look, even hardly look at it, let alone mm-hmm. read it. I just no. assume it's yeah. something that I don't really care about. So I don't know how I don't know how effective that is. It would be interesting to know, you know, if some churches have gotten feedback from from that program. Yeah, it's it's an easy thing to say that you know you you how many tracks you handed out, but you know, it, like you said, it would be interesting to know. And I guess there really is no way to know what the what the payoff is mm-hmm. for a million tracks handed out. What was the payoff? Well, and one of the things that I remember at Barn was we would meet together beforehand, and we would all you know we would meet yeah. together for a mm-hmm. prayer session beforehand. I think that's so much of it because God's doing the work there anyway, right? You're just handing them out, and you're hoping. And and I'll admit, I I mean, we all know here. I think all of our listeners know that I'm I'm the extrovert on this show, and y'all are both introverts. Show I just called it a show. Well, it is um, it is of sorts podcast. Yeah, yeah, no. <laughs> I'm the extrovert on here, and y'all are the introverts. For me, even for liking, really liking to be around people, it was still there. Was still bits that were terrifying. I mean, I remember coming to someone's house, and I just hear remember hearing from the window someone said, "We're not home," and so <laughs> I didn't bother going to that door. Yeah. You know, yeah, I just don't walked go there. away. <laughs> right, but here at Timberville, we we don't pass out tracks, but like at Thanksgiving, we go around to the houses to all the houses in the neighborhood and we hand out like food baskets to have like food and fruit Mm -hmm. and stuff like that and it's good stuff like cookies and fruit and like lots of good stuff and then it's got like a tract on the top of it right and i don't know that we've got a lot of response but there are people that expect it that are looking for it and so even that becomes a little bit of its own outreach because people are like hey where's this thing and so i I think there's some positivity there i I like that idea ron of add again something besides just the track because sharing the gospel is more than just talking to a person i you know just sharing the words right it's there's action that goes along to uh, along with it you know and you giving out those baskets along with the track shows them that you actually do care about them yeah you know as a person instead of just throwing a, a paper at them right and we're going by example right i mean even jesus in his life often would heal a person both physically and spiritually, right? So he mm-hmm. was seeing to right. this physical need as well as the spiritual need. Mm-hmm. So I do think that there is a lot of pe- times people can be cynical if they're only met 
with some type of spiritual upbeat or whatever, or some, they may see it as a spiritual attack or affront, right? And so I, I do think there's some benefit to that. And I like the fact that they had the youth do that, even though, you know, we can't really prove the outcome of, of what it was, but it challenges the youth. Oh, to, you mean the Barnwell track? Yes, the Barnwell, the yep. Barnwell um, track system that they had the youth hand out. It challenges the youth to push themselves outside of their comfort zone. Yes. And a lot of times, if you can focus that energy, especially young energy, you can keep them from focusing inward and what's wrong with the church and what they don't like and have them. We all see where that ends up. We see Mennonite churches split. But that's not an uncommon thing. And a lot right. of times it's the young people that go. Mm-hmm. And so if you can focus, and it's easy to sit here and say that. I mean, it, it really is. But if you can focus that energy outward to the people surrounding you, the people in the community, and, and even if it's difficult or even if it's hard a hard thing to overcome, it's still focusing that energy in a good direction. Yeah. yeah. It, it is so important that we focus externally, not internally as a church, even as we were talking before the break about this whole difference between farming and hunting churches, right? So even, even if a church is trying to be like a farming church, a lot of the reason for a farming church, maybe maybe someone say their farming church shouldn't even exist, right? But I think that that sometimes there could be some benefit there because what what a farming church can do or a church is just growing, they can really do a great job of funding outreaches and building programs because a lot of times the those big community churches will have a lot of funds that they can spread and and also a lot of prayer that they can give and support that they can give. But if any time that a church starts to focus too much internally and starts pointing fingers and really, really just beating each other up internally, that kills a church so quickly. I would hope, too, that they would that nobody would ever see themselves as a farming church. I would hope that they would still say, "Okay, yes, our focus is our church, say at a certain age. Maybe a person transitions for, from the outside to the inside about taking care of, you know, making sure their children are moving in the direction of the church or focusing more on their families and less on the community. But at the same time, they are cognizant of their position in the community and say they're witness to their neighbors and the people around them. Like maybe all your focus is not on the community or on all your focus is not on spreading the word, but you are always willing to share the word with the people around you. You should never be comfortable in your position as a, if you're say a farming church and be like, well, we don't talk to people because we're, we're worried about our church growth from within, you know, making sure that our families stay here because that's, that's where our focus is. Yeah. I don't think the two are mutually exclusive. I mean, I think a church should be somewhat a farming church and a hunting church. Because yep. it is important that we carry on and pass down the biblical traditions that we have had right. for many generations. Yeah, I agree. And and honestly, there's a lot of things that break down about that example of farming and hunting. You know, that's a term that salespeople use. And equally, just like the farming part, shouldn't probably there should be no such thing as a true only farming church's own looking internally. But there's there also the the other thing is that like in sales hunting is going out and bagging the prey so to speak you know grabbing the getting the sale and winning from some from someone that's not already your client and bringing them in right but our church is really just like this whole thing of tracks 
for many of the things that we do, the idea isn't always so much that we need to bring them in and they have to be part of our church. The idea instead should be that we can witness to them and we can make them part of God's kingdom. Because that's the most important thing is that they're a part of God's kingdom, not that they're a member of our church. But it can feel frustrating to go to all the work and then just see people come in the front and then go out the back. Or just not even come in the front at all, never show up that you do things over and over again. Like you said, the track program, for instance, and I don't know, it would be fascinating to hear, but I know that Barnwood had done that track program for years and years, and it would be fascinating to hear if they ever had any response. And so if you didn't ever have any response, like if no one ever called the number on the back of those tracks or came to the church that the address was on the back of those tracks, you could feel like after a while, like, God, why are we putting all this effort into this thing that's not really doing anything, yeah. right? But if, you know, even with the people that come through, and we've had a lot of people come in. We have had a lot of people. Yeah, and they might not stay. Some of them have moved, their physical address moved, so it wasn't, it just didn't work out for them to, to come to our church. And some of them, it seems like, have moved on. But you would like to feel like our church made a difference in their lives, and they think about that's it. That's right. And a lot of them, it just didn't work out because there was beliefs that we hold to and beliefs that they had that just were not going to be compatible. And you can just hope that you left a good influence in their life and they move on. And that your relationship with them has impacted their life and that they've also impacted your life because really that's what it's about. It's about growth and journey. You know, I mean, we learn everything from every experience. And God brings people into our lives all the time that may leave our lives, but they leave a lasting imprint on our life. And we learn a lesson from that. And as I think back through the years of being at Lighthouse uh, there in, in Georgia, you know, every single person that attended there, even for some amount of time and moved on, probably left some sort of impact in my life, some more than others. But a lot of them have left impact on my life that have changed, sometimes changed the way I thought about something or sometimes changed the way I viewed someone. Maybe I had a bad view about about a particular type of person or something. And, and sometimes God can bring a person into your church just to impact, you know, just to impact your view. So sometimes it's not even always, I guess my point is sometimes it's not always about changing them, but allowing them to, to broaden your horizons a little bit too. What's your thought on people at the end of, or just in Atlanta in general, I get to Atlanta a lot and I see them and I think I should be doing something. I just don't know what. Should I, and it might go back to your Thanksgiving thing, maybe I should hand them a $5 McDonald's gift card or you know something that has monetary value and a track. Maybe hand pick out a track that I think would be applicable to them. Yeah. Yep. Is that, I mean, you know, I know there, there's, there's a lot of debate on what is okay, or I don't know, just opinion. It's those, those people are easy to look down on. Um, and yeah, and I, I assume you're referring to like street side people or yes. homeless people, right? Yeah. So, man, I think that there's a lot of beauty in that idea of a $5 gift card along with the track. I love it. I truly love it. I was going to say there was a time where you could make cookies and put a couple cookies in a bag with the track. Oh. But even now, like if you do that, they may turn their, yeah. not turn their nose at it, but it's like, there's some now for some reason, people are scared of anything that's homemade. Yep. You know, it's like somehow we believe that, and I guess we could probably have a whole nother podcast on this, but somehow we believe that if McDonald's makes it, it's safe. Oh yeah. But if someone made it in their own home, you know, it's probably poison. 
But oh, yeah. uh, but no, I think that the idea of a McDonald's gift card, you know, you could kind of keep the, you could buy twenty dollars worth of them, which granted is only four of them, but you could have twenty dollars worth of them along with four tracks that reach out to a specific type of need or whatever, and just have them there and ready. And man, when you happen up upon one that really that the spirit's moving you or whatever, you roll the window down and hand that thing out. And I, I do, I think that'd be a great idea. Yeah, I like I like the idea too. Wow, way to end with a practical note, man. Well, remember, kids, hand out tracks. <laughs> Thank you guys very much for joining us once again. I think we're going to go ahead and close this one up. Peace. And don't take candy from strangers. No. <laughs>